Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 381 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... How are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm very well. Matt is back on this week because it is, of course, a holiday over the weekend and everybody has birthdays and everybody's away. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody so does it, have birthdays. Yes, yeah. it was uh, yeah, the weird, this weird situation where all the co-hosts have birthdays over a two-week period. So because uh, <laughs> yours was, what, last week? And Gray's was end of last week. It's mine tomorrow. And then Bex is at the end of the week. And Daryl's is in there as well. Daryl's was last week as well. So anyway, how are you doing? And what have you been up to? Been doing good, yeah. Other than TV shows, one of the games I've been playing, which I've been thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with, is uh, Dead Space. This is the uh, 2023 remake, which I played like a portion of on the Xbox 360, because that's how old the game is. I think it's 2006 or 2008, something like that. Yeah. Very, very impressed. I would, well, I've already said on my own show that I have called this game a masterpiece so far. It's interesting because it doesn't do anything specifically special, (laughs) but it does the basics so, so, so well. It elevates the experience sort of by itself. This game's got like a really perfect balance of a lot of its sort of systems in terms of how difficult it is, the level of horror that's in there, the typical thing of like if you get into panic situations where you're shooting a bunch and you'll you'll lose a bit of health, but you won't die too many times, but you'll die a couple of times. You'll come across, you know, new enemies that are like a challenge to figure out. What One of the interesting things about, I guess you'd call them aliens in this world is, because typically in sort of horror movies or horror films like this, it's, oh, go for the head, shoot the head. That's, that's usually the typical kind of go-to. But because of the design of these enemies, you always go for the limbs. The limbs, you take off the limbs, that's actually what kills them. Right. Which is kind of the design of some of the weapons like the plasma cutter and that sort of thing. 
it's got a really, really excellent balance. Uh, you'll get new weapons as you go through and you'll figure out how to use them and pick your favorites and that type of thing. The only problem I've kind of run into at the moment is my suit runs out of space, but there's new ones that you can unlock, so I just need to find uh, the next one. It's also got these uh, zero gravity situations where you, you'll go into a particular area, you'll press L1 and R1, you'll fly off into the air with your suit. And not only is that really fun to do, but the controls on it are really, really good. Like the way that you recenter yourself and like full 360 degree controls, which isn't always like the easiest thing to do. And you can kind of boost when you're in the air and stuff to kind of dodge enemies because that part's a little bit more not in slow motion but it's you know zero gravity so it's slower you'll kind of hear an enemy in zero gravity you'll be spinning around trying to see where it is but in in a really fun way and then it will because of zero gravity it will jump at you and it will be a bit slower and then you'll kind of dodge past it and it's it's really really great at doing that as well i actually had this i'm not going to get into like spoilery stuff for it but came across this boss fight which included some zero gravity mechanics and it was was absolutely incredible the way that whole fight was structured and put together in the like mechanics of it and how you specifically fight it because of how it's designed and that sort of thing so i think it's absolutely just fantastic so far and again one of the more like basic things about it which it's still so good at is the typical kind of you'll be walking through it'll be quiet and because of like really great sound design you'll always think there's an enemy about to get you and even though there's areas where you can tell you're a bit more safe you never quite feel comfortable even to a point where i'm at the save station or because the things you'll kind of interact with is the save station the bench and the store obviously the store is where you go buy stuff bench is where you go to upgrade things from other bits that you found and even in some of those areas you just never quite feel sort of safe and that's <laughs> like that, that just just because of like oh it sounds like there's something crawling in the vents which things can actually jump out of the vents at you right. and there'll be these sort of fans on the walls and stuff and they'll like burst those open and, and that sort of thing really really thoroughly enjoying it so far what have you seen or played of Dead Space? I have a feeling I might have played the original when it came out I mean it's a horror survival game so I, and I don't massively do horror games so I haven't actually played the remake I have I've heard a lot of good things about the remake. They seem to have done a very decent job with it. And I know they've yeah. tweaked a few little things. Like I think the main character was silent in the original and they've actually give, voiced him for the uh, remake. So there's few little differences, but they seem to have done a really good job with it. I've had it weird that we're now in a position where they're remaking video games <laughs> in the same way that they remake movies. I mean, it makes perfect sense, mm. but we've had a number of these, you know, I mean, we've had new versions of games and stuff, but we're, we're getting things which are sort of almost direct remakes of things. You know, they've done them with the Final Fantasy games and they're now doing things like Dead Space and uh, the Tomb Raider games sort of, but they weren't necessarily direct remakes of the original as such. So... It's just interesting that the industry is old enough at this point that you are kind of into that position of direct remakes of things. Yeah, yeah. I just find it weird, kind mm-hmm. of weird. But um, I may go and look at this at some point. As I say, it's just I, the, it's the horror thing that I don't generally enjoy those sort of games as much. So yeah, mm. not enough building things for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins as a bit of a background story because you kind of think one thing's happened and then like another part of it sort of creeps through. And I found that very interesting because the way they're telling the story of like, how it all happened it gives you a general sort of loose idea as to like plant an idea in your head but doesn't outright say what it is well, i mm-hmm. guess well, they'll probably hopefully reveal what it is at the, at the end you get a good idea of what it is but there's a couple of different elements in the story and stuff so i found that very good just on isaac talking as well because as i said i'm not like completely familiar with the original 
He does talk more, but it is only kind of when someone's on like a video call and stuff. Right. Um, and one part that I appreciate, but I would want a bit more of is let's just say you've gone through a really tough area and a particular section of the ship is like really swarmed or something. Somebody will call him and say, oh, such and such is now unlocked. Can you get to this area? Like They're trying to navigate him through this ship through like video calls and audio calls. He'll have come away from an area that's been really tough and will say, oh, let's say mining area, for example. Oh, the mining area is really like bad and all that kind of thing. But I would prefer him to talk about what's going on as he's going through it. Because right. um, I, I do prefer protagonists that talk because I want to kind of know, even though I'm going through a certain experience playing as a character, I want to know how they feel going through it rather mm -hmm. than just rather than kind of doing what Link does in a say Breath of the Wild, where it's just the old facial expression, which is the same thing each time. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't always give you a good read of how does the character that you're playing as feel about the thing you're going through. Mm -hmm. But regardless of that, it's good that he does at least speak somewhat and does talk about how he's feeling sometimes. So that's been very good. Final season of a show that I actually finished two shows here. I think I forgot to watch this or didn't manage to watch it when it was on E4. It's the final season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Didn't they only keep their episodes for like seven days or, they do, or, or yeah. Some, I think it was that situation. Very limited catch up because you know E4 and they couldn't organise it. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a bit longer, but sometimes it's sort of oh, you only have six days left to watch this. And it's like oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, the final season, like all of it disappeared off of there when I went to sort of watch it or whatever, or I, I fell behind on it. And then waited, I think, a good few months for it to show up on Netflix. I'm kind of waiting for the same thing to happen with Young Sheldon because I missed all the things. The sixth or the seventh season, that the one that aired last year, that all disappeared off of all four. So I'm waiting for that one as well. But every different shift this season with, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, not, not only is it the final season and they're trying to put characters in you know different situations as to say okay that character is going to move on and do this and this character is going to move on and do that like you kind of would do in a final season because usually this is known as like not silly but somewhat slapstick at points comedy yeah. because this came out around about i think it was 2020 or 2021 that's at least when it was filmed it's touching upon the black lives matter issues and george floyd the, the issues with the, yeah. the, the situation there all comes up and everything and i remember reading an article this might have been about two years ago that said that brooklyn 99 was going to not focus on like the whole season isn't about police brutality but like have that as one of the things in the season because there's a couple of little storylines they put in and stuff and mm -hmm. for a show to make a shift like that you've got to make sure it's really well written and yeah. like sensibly put together and I think it really really was it is a bit of a change in in tone and stuff I mean the show's dealt with some issues and stuff but it's tried to usually put like a comedy angle on it but trying to put a comedy angle on something like that I think is, yeah. is extremely difficult because it I think it does Black Lives Matter and sort of police brutality issues for a couple of episodes because I'm on the, I think it's the fourth episode now and they've kind of like, some stuff is, is still there but it was mainly just focus at the start of the season so, but they handled that very, very well and they do have, of course, you know, you've got like Raymond Holt and uh, Rosa Diaz and stuff who are some of the uh, characters of colour or, you know, black mm -hmm. characters and stuff and and they've they kind of talk in certain scenes about their experiences. In fact, there's a scene between, um, I think it's Santiago and Raymond and she keeps saying to him about, oh, I know, I've noticed like something's off with you and that kind of stuff and because of their partnership relationship whatever is is kind of this like, funny thing they change that like ever so slightly and then Raymond talks about you know living as a black man and that sort of thing yeah. um, so slight change slight change in tone and a bit of a shift there but I think they uh, they deal with it really well other than that though because they do tell stories outside of that stuff been just generally good fun with uh, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine so I'm glad I'm finally watching the uh, 
final season. I don't remember if you've seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've seen a few episodes of it. It's one of those that I sort of missed when it came out. And then Mm. there's so many episodes of it now. I've never kind of jumped back in. I rather enjoyed the few episodes that I saw. I thought it was funny, but there's just so much stuff out there right now. And and (laughs) I just... It's one of those things that's on my long list of stuff that I need to go and actually sit and watch alongside things like Succession and that sort of stuff that I've seen sort of a few episodes of and thought, oh, this is quite good, and then just not got back to watching the rest of it. I really like it. So going to enjoy this final season. And then I finished uh, Travels with my father, the Jack Whitehall Netflix show. I don't know what caused me to do this, but this is a show I really, really loved. And then I was scrolling through Netflix, and you know when you come across a show and think, oh, yeah, that season of TV came out. We probably all do that quite a lot. Yeah. And then Travels with Father came up and I thought, okay, I'll watch that soon. And then I think another two months went by or something. And then I clicked on it again and it said, I think it said 2021. And (laughs) given that we're now in 2023, I was looking at that date and thinking... What has taken me that long to, to, to watch? I don't know. I think what maybe happened is because this is uh, this is a really short season. This was like three episodes or something. And I thought, oh, it's not many episodes. I'll save it for later because mm-hmm. I kind of didn't want to finish it yet. And I, I don't know what happened. But two years later, yeah, very, very sweet and very nice ending to the show. They go on one final like travels adventure, of course. Jack does his thing. Michael does his thing. But they gel really well together. And you've also got, I think it's Hillary is, a, is her name. Michael's wife and obviously Jack's mother. They get up to their normal sort of shenanigans and Jack tries to be funny and his dad kind of does and kind of doesn't appreciate it. I love all three of them. I think they're really, really great though. And they do this kind of, the final episode isn't actually one of the travels. It's like a going over best memories thing. And they kind of, which is an interesting way to do that because again, even though you see their reactions as they're going through these adventures and like Jack's come up with silly ideas and Michael is or isn't happy about it and and that goes on from there. Them going back through and recapping, oh, do you remember this and this and how did you feel at the time? and what's your reflection of it now and everything and Jack trying to come up with I don't know do you understand these slang phrases and this kind of stuff and Michael's got his like usual confused response of like what 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 are you what what are you talking about in this kind of like funny way there was a hint that they both sort of wanted to do something else but that's the end of the travels but I really really enjoyed this last year I enjoyed the whole thing thought it was uh brilliant I've been a fan of Jack Whitehall for some time now and uh it was cool to see both his mother and dad or daddies he says (laughs) (laughs) he gets a bit of the mick taken out of him at points for saying that but that's like the posh side of the family I suppose have you seen the final season yet I haven't no um I've watched a few of those again it's one of those things that I like you I think I kind of forget that it's on there and I do like them and I understand that you know he maybe doesn't want to do the travel things because they probably are quite a lot of work to do that Mm. but I remember they did a chat show I think together on BBC Two ages ago um, which was technically Jack's chat show but Michael was sort of sat in a chair in a corner sort of interjecting as well so I remember that was really really funny so I do wonder whether they'll do something like that again which is sort of studio based rather than sort of dragging him around the world but I don't know what he's doing at the moment I think he's got a couple of sort of acting gigs coming up and I think he, Jack's touring I know Jack had the, I can't remember what it was called there's this like travel cooking culture thing on Amazon and there was three episodes of this thing and Jack's in one of the he's not in the whole thing but he's in one of the episodes but all, right. I, all I saw from a trailer was like he was doing some traveling and some cooking but he was, he was on his own it, Michael wasn't right, okay. with him so I'm not quite sure what that is. Yeah. I know he's, he's had some things going on with bad education that kind of came back yes. and stuff. 
So. Yeah, maybe he'll do some more stand-up or something like that. At some yeah, point. I think he's so. touring at the moment. You can go and get tickets from jackwhitehall.com if you were to go and uh, look that mm. up. But he's touring until July. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. How about you? Well, I wanted to touch on one show which I talked a bit about last week, which is The Diplomat on Netflix. I've now finished that whole run. It is possibly one of the best things that Netflix have ever made, certainly in that genre of darker comedies. It's just superbly written it's really sharp it's really clever it's got a very witty script that balances kind of comedy and drama really really well this is the one that stars Kerry Russell as a diplomat from the US who is sort of thrust into the UK and is used to being in things like war zones and stuff but there's this crisis in the Middle East which involves a British aircraft carrier and they decide that they want somebody with Middle East experience as being the ambassador to the US in the UK. So she gets thrust into the job and she's sent there with her husband, Hal, who's played by Rufus Sirwell. And he is also an incredibly experienced diplomat, but has sort of been backbenched because he's upset some of the upper brass in the US government. So you've got this really interesting relationship between the pair of them where he's actually the sort of the one he's charming, but also trouble. And you've got this relationship between those two going on, as well as the whole political background of of this crisis going on with this aircraft carrier. It's just incredibly well written. It's Deborah Kahn, who is the person that created the show, whose previous credits include The West Wing and Homeland. And Netflix kind of pushed it as this political thriller and and it, it sort of isn't it is very much a comedy drama it feels more like the funnier episodes of the west wing it feels tonally more like something like succession it deserves to be up for award nominations and it feels like it's a show that should have really been on hbo it's it's that's the thing that slightly concerns mm. me is it's slightly different to the other things that are on netflix so whether it manages to find the audience there i i don't know i mean it it seems to be doing okay because it is on number two i think on the netflix uk chart i don't know how it's doing globally but i really really urge you to go and check out the diplomat on netflix because it is really good so uh the there is that which i've now finished but yeah go and check that out it's brilliant over on disney plus how i met your father came back for a second season i know you've been watching this as well i'm actually just today got all the way through it so i've actually got to the end of it now i'm enjoying the second season it's again it's still not up there with how i met your mother but it's it's a Mm -hmm. perfectly enjoyable comedy i have it on sort of when i'm eating and stuff and enjoy it there are certain points where you can see things that you can tell which character those jokes would have been written for had it been how i met your mother if that makes sense there are certain yeah yeah, there are certain sort of characters you're like well that was a barney joke that was a ted joke (laughs) it's kind of funny watching it through that lens but it's perfectly enjoyable there is an interesting group of people i just don't think it gels quite as well as how i met your mother did but it's fun enough and it's 10 episodes and they're what 24 minutes or something so you know it's not a huge amount to get through what have you been thinking of the second season i've seen i think four episodes i watched like a bunch of them over the weekend not quite as strong at the moment as the first season one of the issues i kind of got and maybe this is just a me thing but a couple of them try to do sort of slightly different things with their careers and I know this is a show anyway where it's sort of oh so and so is dating somebody and then not dating them and then dating somebody else in the first couple of episodes I think it's Sophie the main character her mm-hmm. love 
life gets very, very, very complicated in the first couple of episodes. Yeah. I got to a point in the season where it's sort of those two things have settled a bit more because like one of the characters found a new job and uh, some other stuff like that. But I'm still genuinely enjoying it. I'm interested to see where the characters are going to go and stuff. It was just kind of, I guess, sorting itself out in the first couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm intrigued by the cliffhanger that's presented in the first, uh, was it the first episode or something? Right, yes. Um, with, with that particular character. I'm curious to see what that's all about. I have heard that there's some uh, cameos in this season. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they fit in, which they did a couple of those in the first season. I was looking up as well because it said 11 episodes and I thought, oh, surely that's not the whole season. There is another section of it to come in about a month or so with right, yeah. 10 more episodes, I think, or something. So that'll be interesting to see. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. It's good. I don't really want to call it good sort of background noise or background watch because it's trying to be a bit more than that. But it's still enjoyable enough where I want to I want to keep watching it. So I just at the moment, I guess because I jumped into Brooklyn Nine-Nine and How I Met Your Father, I'm trying to like I've watched a few episodes of both and I think I should pick one, finish that and then go back to the other. But then one of the, one of them's a final season and the other one is hopefully going to continue for a bit of time. So but I'm enjoying both of them anyway. Yeah, you're right. It was renewed for 20 episodes for its second season. They only got 11 up at the moment, but I've enjoyed the 11 episodes that are up there right now. We'll see where it goes for the rest mm-hmm. of it. But been catching up with that. Uh, La Brea is back on Paramount Plus for the second half of season two. I'm enjoying that. It's just, it's silly. It's over the top. Pretty much straight continuation because it is the second half of the second season. We have got a third season coming. How over the top would you say it is? Because you've mentioned that a few times with this show. It's not as silly as something like Zoo, which was ridiculous. Yeah, it's not quite that far out there. It is sci-fi. And I mean, it's got them jumping through time and it's evolved sort of basic premise of the sort of sinkhole opening in Los Angeles and them all falling through into this primeval world. It's a silly idea, but you've just kind of got to roll with it. (laughs) Is it a bit Legends of Tomorrow silly? Um, no, it's not. It's not that level of comedy, silly. It's played straight in the same way okay. that Zoom was played straight. It's just the whole premise of it is kind of ridiculous and over the top and very sort of that kind of sci-fi I mean the idea of zoo of kind of all the animals ganging up on the humans because they've learned how to talk to each other which uh, you know it's, it's a silly premise but it's enjoyable and it's well written enough that if you're looking for a nice sort of b-level sci-fi worth investing some of your time in I think I would say if you've got Paramount Plus go and try it and see how you get on if you like those sort of b-level sci-fi things things that we used to get from the sci-fi channel that sort of stuff it's that kind of level but perfectly enjoyable La Brea so the second season and they've got a third season coming but it's only going to be like six episodes and I think that will probably be it and I'm also continuing the final season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well which has been phenomenal some really interesting stuff they're doing with that because it's the final season so they can monkey around with the characters a bit more and they've started pushing these flash forwards in as well so you're getting to see where the characters are in the 80s because that's obviously a flash forward because it's set in the 60s there's some really interesting things coming out of the flash forward bits as well but that's been a nice extra dynamic they've added into the final season but I mean that show's hilarious and brilliantly written so I'm I'm very much enjoying that gaming wise I have got Star Wars Jedi Survivor and I've played it a little bit not a huge amount and I haven't run into any issues yet because I have got it on PC 
And if you've seen any of the reports about this, it's that the PC version of it is complete trash. I'm told the console version isn't particularly great either. Not that the game is bad. It's just really, really badly optimized, particularly on PC, but apparently not great on console, which, I mean, that's inexcusable, really. So it sounds like it could have done a bit more time testing, ironing out bugs, and they've released it a bit early, which is not uncommon for this sort of thing and they knew how popular it was going to be because all the reviews have been like 80 90 percent but they're all going i really really love this game and a lot of those were done with preview copies and they're like i really really love this game but with the caveat that it is full of bugs and i hope they fix this before it gets released and they haven't so yeah the, the, there seems to be a lot of issues with frame rate and slowdown and crashes and things as I say, the little bit I've played it, I've not had problems yet. But I'm I sort of when I started reading reviews, I thought maybe I should leave this until it gets a bit patched and then come back to it because it's going to be really frustrating if I get to a point and I'm getting really into it and then it suddenly craps out on me. So I've got other things to play around with. So I'm sort of doing that right now. I might leave it a week or so and kind of go back and try and do an actual proper review of it. But have you had any experience of this other than, I mean, you've been reading the reviews, I'm sure. I've watched PlayStation Access stream it. They did like a pre-launch day thing for it. They didn't have any issues in, in their 90 minute stream. I've not played it myself so I can't beat to it on on that level. Um, I've seen some, you know, uh, tweets and, and things like that of, of certain issues, which have been quite strange. But it, it's interesting because on on our gaming talk show, we've we've mentioned a couple of different games of like so like Dead Island Two, for example, where that had removed a feature that wasn't working, but you could still play the game. Because one of the features they took out of the game was you couldn't cross play with current gen and previous gen. And I said on the show at the time that okay, if that if that's a situation where like the game is ready and the game doesn't have issues but you can't at the moment include a feature that's okay because at least at least you can play the game in a situation like this or a situation like let's say Redfall the, the issue with Redfall that has been announced is that it will only run at 30 frames per second not 60 and they might patch in 60 later and it's like okay well if the game's going to be not as good at launch why don't you delay that and then there's the issue here of just you know normal performance issues but okay if you've got bugs and glitches and performance stuff that's a situation where okay you should delay so there's differences between got a game that works that doesn't quite have a feature that's ready okay you can put that feature in in later if if you want to but if you've got a situation like this where the the game itself is having issues, then yeah, that's that's cool for yeah. the delay, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I understand when there are issues with PCs and what they are saying, there seems to be particular issues around certain PC configurations, including high-end graphics cards that are coupled with low-performing CPUs or running older versions of Windows. So there are certain sort of configurations, and that is the problem with PCs, is the fact that there are a million variations that you're dealing with. So it is sort of excusable not to have all your bases covered when it comes to PC. There are always going to be certain things that don't run as well as they probably should do because you can't optimize for absolutely everything. If it's having bugs and issues when it's released on a console, though, that's inexcusable to me because you know exactly what you're putting it on. There are a couple of versions of PlayStations. There are a couple of versions of Xboxes. There's no excuse for not optimizing that properly. And for PC, you sort of you have to go for a kind of middle ground as much as you possibly can but i understand that certain configurations might not work that well so i may go back in and, and play around with it a bit more like i say i've not played it a huge amount 
yet. What I played was pretty much straight continuation of the original game, picking up with the same character. It looked really good. You know, the, it was graphically it was really nice. Wasn't having any issues with jumping around, and you know the lightsaber stuff seemed to work quite well. May switch over to using a controller because it does recommend using a controller, and I've been using mouse and keyboard, and I think maybe a controller would work better for it. But we'll do a bit more of a review of that maybe next week when I've picked it back up again. The other thing which I watched this week was Citadel, which is a new series on Amazon. I don't know if you looked at this yet. No, I did see that it come out, but I haven't checked it out yet. They're pushing this quite hard, and the reason that I think they're pushing it quite hard is because I think they're talking about doing international spin-off versions of it as well. And although this is the sort of main show, they're talking about having spin-offs that are set in sort of India and Spain in language versions, so kind of localised versions of it, which sort of makes sense given the setup of it. It stars Richard Madden and Priyanka Chopra Jonas with Stanley Tucci and Leslie Manville thrown in there as well. So really good cast lineup. It's from Josh Applebaum, who wrote Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. He worked on the aforementioned zoo, the US version of Life on Mars, Alias, Brian O, who worked on Life on Mars Zoo and Falling Skies, and David Well, who worked on the Amazon series Hunters and the Apple series Invasion as well. And uh, it's got the Russo brothers, who, of course, are the people behind the MCU, Endgame, and Captain America movies and that, that they're producing it. There are two episodes of Citadel up at the moment, and it's sort of Mission Impossible meets Born Identity is kind of the setup for it. I'm going to have to spoil some of the opening, but bear in mind, all of this is pre the credit sequence. So yes, it is a bit spoilery, but it's all pre-credit. So I think that's fair. Begins with Madden and Chopra's characters who are called Mason and Nadia. They're on this train. They're spies with sort of Bond-like spy toys. And Stanley Tucci is the guy in their ear, basically talking them through what they need to do. They're part of a secret global espionage network called Citadel, who are there to protect the world from threats, and they're independent of any nation. So they're basically the global good guys. They're going after a guy on this train who they think has some nuclear material. This huge over-the-top fight breaks out when it turns out the guy doesn't have nuclear material. It's actually set up by Manticore. And Manticore are, are sort of the evil opposite of Citadel. And they're pretty much looking to take over the world, destabilize the world's economies and stuff for their own monetary gain and power. They're basically the bad guys. So you've got like global good guy organization, global bad guy organization. So this fight sequence ends with the train blowing up with both of them on board. Madden's character then wakes up in a hospital a few weeks later and has no memory of what his former life was. So that's all pre-credits. The show starts, it cuts to eight years later, and he's settled down with a family and his old life kind of comes back to haunt him, basically. He gets sort of drawn back into it. But of course, he has no memory of that life, so he has no idea what's going on. It's very over the top. That opening fight sequence is ridiculous ridiculously silly and it's fun but it, it is really martial art move after martial art moves block and they're kind of passing guns back to each other i mean it's really kind of cool slick silly over the top fight sequence but overall quite enjoyable and i mean the whole idea is fairly silly and over the top it is very much you know global good guys global bad guys and them sort of fighting each other when they do spy things these days they usually go for something darker and gritty and this is almost back to the sort of 
Brosnan Bond days of really ridiculous big explosions sort of thing. You know, it's that sort of thing. It's called Citadel. It's on Amazon now. Worth a look, certainly. If you like those sort of 90s Bond things, this could be one that's kind of interesting to you. Not something that is going to take too much of your brain power, but if you like fight sequences and things blowing up and that sort of stuff, certainly enjoyable enough. And they've ploughed like, they reckon there's a production budget of like 300 million for a six episode first season so it's not a small production budget so they are that sounds quite expensive yes one of the most expensive television shows so they are throwing a lot at it it has had a sort of fairly mixed reaction because as i say tonally it it is not what you would usually expect for this sort of thing you expect things to be a bit darker and a bit grittier because that's how things tend to be these days and this isn't it's kind of lighter and sillier and more kind of 90s bond over the top but i mean i found it enjoyable enough so so, you know, worth taking a look. Uh, first two episodes are out at the moment and then it's going out weekly until the end of May. You can go and check that out. It's called Citadel on Amazon. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. A couple of cancellations we've got this week. Town Called Malice has been cancelled by Sky. Uh, apparently they were underway prepping season two already. And Sky said, actually, we're not going to do it. So I think it just hasn't got the numbers that they hoped it would. This was from Nick Love, who is the guy that did the films like The Football Factory and Bulletproof TV show. Kind of fairly experienced guy. And it's it was set in the 80s and was following this crime family. So it was sort of this 80s crime drama. And it sounds like it just hasn't found an audience so they've decided to can that after one season. Big Mouth and Human Resources are both going to end on Netflix. Big Mouth has two more seasons left, so it's got one season coming up this year, and then there's going to be another season next year. Human Resources has one season left. That's going to be coming up later this year, I think. I was seeing some comments about uh, specifically Big Mouth. Every single comment that I read seemed to like really hate this show. <laughs> of like, oh my God, how has this got? Was it nearly eight seasons? I don't know how many seasons, like a bunch of seasons. And yes, like, it's like eight what seasons. What is this show? And it's weird and, you know... And I was reading them and I was thinking, how did this show last? If people, I mean, me and Gray, I think, enjoyed some of the previous seasons, but I dropped off of it when they started rapidly dropping too many episodes and then like human yeah. resources came around and it was like, okay, now you're kind of just overstuffing it and, and the quality had started dropping off and it just, it just wasn't as good as what it was. And then I think like another two seasons came out or something, but I just completely fell off of it. And it seems like just after that period, when those next couple of seasons came out, that people just really started hating this show. Yeah. And then it got, and then it was news of like oh it's got another two and everyone was like well, what about this Netflix show what about that Netflix show and why is you know this got more than these and it was interesting to to see that I think there wasn't many comments about human resources I don't know what the audience was like for those I, I think um, yeah not not great I don't think I mean yeah, I, I think I, make much of a splash. when it came out I think Gray had sort of his comment on it was sort of well why those characters That's what I thought when I those yeah, characters sort of come up. 
work as part of Big Mouth, but don't really work as their own thing. It just didn't make sense. So yeah, that's uh, two more seasons of Big Mouth and that'll end next year. And then Human Resources was one more season to end this year. On the renewal side of things, both from Apple, Reluctant Traveller with Eugene Levy, that has been renewed for a second season at Apple. And The Morning Show has been renewed for season four. Season three is coming in the autumn. I think they're dropping them every two years by the looks of things based on mm. the previous schedule. So uh, yes, the fourth season is going to be what 2025 <laughs> maybe yeah speaking of apple is there anything on hello tomorrow i've not seen any news on no it. Not anywhere it's nothing strange. nothing on that yet we may get some stuff off apple over the next sort of few weeks because i mean we are coming into that period where things get renewed and cancelled but it's mainly us network stuff but sometimes some of the cable and streaming services drop stuff out over that period as well just to be part of the gang you know what do you think the reason would be that it's taken this long could it be like contracting uh, or, it like- could be contracts it could be that the numbers aren't quite what they wanted it may be more expensive to shoot than you possibly think there are a variety of reasons that they could be mm. they could be trying to work out how to make it for slightly less they don't always renew things straight away sometimes things take a little bit longer i mean you know the morning show no great surprise they've renewed that for a full season but yeah one of the bigger ones yeah because yeah. i don't know what the intent of how long they want the show to be around for but it feels like one that could maybe wrap up with a second season so yeah we'll see in terms of pickups and other news a couple of things that surprise dropped onto disney plus american dad latest season of that landed on wednesday so if you've been watching american dad there is a new season up there if you've not had it on your follow list and history of the world part two which is a follow-up series to the mel brooks movie history of the world part one it's kind of an anthology thing where mel brooks who is you know the legendary producer and comedian and all that sort of stuff he did a movie back in the 80s called history of the world part one it's basically a series of sketches with them making fun of different parts of history this is a series that does exactly the same thing so you don't need to have seen the film to be able to watch this it's just i mean it's kind of funny calling it history of the world part two but it's essentially it's just taking funny looks at bits of history and making jokes and stuff about it and the cast for it is insane i mean it's got a ridiculous number of people that have just come in and done like one or two sketches so um and it's mel brooks and people don't say no to mel brooks because he's mel brooks you know and if you're gonna turn up for a day's work but he's got andy cohen in there i'm just looking through the list of darcy carden danny devito david duchovny dove cameron fred armistice jb smooth johnny knoxville josh gad seth rogan taika wahiti rob cordroy richard kind rob riggle it's a huge like cast list of just comedy people involved in that so i haven't gone around to watching it yet but uh, i do want to go and check that out because it looks very very funny and mm. silly and should be fun just on disney plus for a minute because you mentioned two things there in a good way and in the way it's kind of intended it's starting to get a bit packed on disney plus but that, yes. that's not that's not because they're making dozens of random things it's because the amount of ip they have access yes, stuff to. They own. yeah so it's great that that's happened because that's like that was what was supposed to happen with it mm-hmm. i think it could do with a little bit of curation though there's i think some things are getting not not in the way that netflix does it because netflix just commissions a bunch of random shows that nobody watches uh, but with disney it's more kind of no most of that stuff if not all of it is to do with disney which was the idea 
and I know you've got the different categories, Disney, Star Wars, Pixar, Marvel, National Geographic and, and stuff. But even within, let's say, Star, there's so many different things mm-hmm. in there that I mean, I don't know how you would create it necessarily, but I, I think it needs just a little bit of organisation, I think. Yeah, um, I know what you there's mean. There's just a lot on there. It, it could do with the sort of slightly more Netflix-like sort of AI of if you enjoyed that, you might enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Could maybe do with that system somewhere in there because there is a lot of stuff on that star side. And I get why they might not have that because certainly for the US, they don't have star on there. So, you know, but for the rest of the world, it would be quite useful to have that sort of thing just so people know what's on the platform but um you know there is stuff of like new stuff that's dropped on on the front page and things but it would be quite useful to have a sort of you know you seem to like these sort of shows section Mm -hmm. on there yeah only murders in the building on disney plus as well that has now got an air date it's coming august 8th that will land for the third season of that i'm very much looking forward to that coming back because that's been great fun the witcher season three has now got an air date so this is cavill's final season on the witcher before he hands over to uh it's liam hensworth isn't it it's the lesser Hensworth brother (laughs) gets the gig so season three is going to be split into two parts volume one goes out on the 29th of june that's going to be episodes one to five volume two lands on the 27th of july that's going to be episodes six to eight so they've split it into a couple of bits but Mm. i suspect that's because maybe they haven't finished editing it yet possibly that's what they did with stranger things the reason that they split the last season of stranger things because they were still making changes to the uh, final episodes so whether it's the case of that i don't know but at least we have a date for it now but 29th of june which is season mm. three lands the teaser for it was short but kind of interesting i think netflix needs to do this more this kind of experimentation of split the seasons up a little bit and i remember like when stranger things did it they had what one to seven and an eight and nine but eight and nine were a lot longer and yeah. there was a lot of sort of anticipation and build up yeah to episodes eight and nine because of how the cliffhanger went and all this kind of stuff and what the stakes were because instead of them just constantly like oh here's another eight episode season here's another eight episode season because they said repeatedly they don't want to do weekly but you could try sort of I don't know what Hulu do or what Apple do, which is drop two episodes or three and then drop a, drop a couple more. Mm-hmm. And they've done this a couple of times where they've had like parts of shows. But I think people have gotten a little bit tired of the whole, here's another eight or another 13 episodes just thrown at you. And I get that if you've got it structured like how Stranger Things did or how this did, you probably have to write it a little bit differently based on cliffhangers yeah. and things like that. But that's one of the things they should potentially try a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think it does them some good as well, particularly splitting it a little bit like this from a marketing point of view it's quite useful because it gives them two big things to push for of like the witch is coming back and you like do that and then it also gives you that sort of month gap in between for everybody to go out and watch those first five episodes because I mean the hardcore fans are going to watch it and like probably binge through them within a day or two days Mm. but other people might go and sort of watch it over the next couple of weeks so it sort of gives you a little bit more time to play with and then you can promote hey the final two episodes are coming and that builds a big amount of buzz around those last couple of episodes coming so from a marketing perspective i can see why they might do it that way Mm. as well and it's actually useful as i said i think part of it may be i mean certainly with stranger things it was a production issue in that they just hadn't finished the last couple of episodes Mm. it worked out though yeah yeah, it worked out really really well you know so it was great also if you're dropping five episodes and then waiting another month and then dropping, was it the next four or three? You've then technically done an average of like one per week. Well, yeah, 
exactly. have done the, the one weekly thing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice way of actually doing it because it then covers both bases. For those people that do only really have chance to watch one a week because their time is limited, they can mm-hmm. do it like that and not necessarily feel like they're kind of missing out, you know. But if you do get completely sucked into it and you have got time to binge through it, you can binge through it. I mean, it's it's sort of what they do with Sky shows, um, Sky original shows, even ITV original shows these days. They release it weekly on the channel, but you can go and binge through all the episodes if you want to go and download them on demand. So a lot of the stuff is sort of working like that, but obviously they mm. don't have a broadcast channel to put on. But in actual fact, it's the setup is actually not that dissimilar. Yeah. So yes, it's an interesting way of releasing it. But that's The Witcher Season 3 anyway, the 29th of June that lands. We have a vague date for the fifth and final season of Top Boy. That's coming back in September. Don't know exactly when, but it will be in September this year. Black Mirror also doesn't have an exact date, but season six of that is coming in June, they have said. We obviously don't know exactly what the episodes are yet because they're usually a little bit secretive around those, understandably, because they're anthology and they're not connected to anything. But cast is really good. I mean, it's Aaron Paul, Annie Murphy, Ben Barnes, Claire Rudard, Danny Ramirez, David Shields, Himesh Patel, John Hanna, Josh Hartnett, Kate Mara, Michael Sarah, Monica Doolan, Papa Esadu, Rob Delaney, Rory Culkin, Salma Hayek, Zazie Beats. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other people in there as well, but I mean, really, really decent names. And again, Mm, it's great because it's an anthology series, so you can hire an actor for a few weeks and that's it. You know, that's all they're having to commit to. Yeah, that's quite exciting. I really did enjoy the old seasons of uh, Black Mirror. I don't think the Bandersnatch. Was it Bandersnatch? I don't think that worked quite as well. No. But it was an interesting experiment, I yeah. think. And it's sometimes what you've got to do. I understand, is it Charlie Brooker? Yes. That the guy? We were sort of wondering about a new season in and around sort of COVID. And I remember he sort of said, because of the way the kind of world is, was at that point, and what Black Mirror is about, he wanted to kind of avoid that a little bit, which mm-hmm. I, I, I understood, but kind of disagreed with a little bit, but that, that's fine. But at least we're in another season now. Well, the other issue as well was there was a rights issue to the show because okay. the... The show, obviously created by Charlie Brooker, uh, originally aired on Channel 4 and then Netflix took it over. But Charlie and I don't know whether it's his wife or his writing partner, but Charlie and his partner were part of another company and they left that company. And then there was some argument about who owns the rights to Black Mirror. But the problem is that Charlie kind of is Black Mirror. So it's one of those things that you can't really make the show without Charlie's involvement. It doesn't really work that way. I mean, I know he does doesn't write every episode but he sort of needs to be involved in it so they've had this backwards and forwards about how they were going to bring it back so they came to they eventually came to an agreement basically it's um charlie and annabelle that are back producing it and making it and writing some of it and then it's leased through the other company so they've they've managed to come to an arrangement but that's why it's been off for so long is because there was all that going on behind the scenes he Mm -hmm. has said that this season is going to be a little bit different. He says, began this season by deliberately upending some of my own core assumptions about what to expect. Consequently, this time, alongside some of the more familiar Black Mirror tropes, we've also got a few new elements, including some I've previously sworn blind the show would never do, to stretch the parameters of what a Black Mirror episode even is. The stories are all still tonally Black Mirror through and through, but with some crazy swings and more variety than ever before. So, uh, yeah, sounds like it could be a kind of interesting season this time around. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another new show which has been announced for a two-season pickup 
on Amazon. And it's, it's one of those things that, on the face of it, it's not a show which would particularly interest me, but the people behind it have really drawn me in. So it's called a Tolly, and it is a ballet dramedy. Now, I mean, I have very little interest in ballet, but it's from Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino, who are the people behind Mrs. Maisel and also Gilmore Girls. And I absolutely love both of those shows. It's set in New York and Paris, and the series follows the dancers and artistic staff of two world-renowned ballet companies as they embark on an ambitious gambit to save their storied institutions by swapping their most talented stars. Atole is the principal dancer in a ballet company, which is why it's called that. The cast for it includes Luke Kirby, who won an Emmy for playing Lenny Bruce in Mrs. Maisel. It's got Gideon Glick in it as well, who's also appeared in Maisel as the magician Alfie. He's been in Ocean's 8 and a few other things, and he's a big Broadway star as well. Camille Cotton, who was one of the standout stars of Call My Agent and also appeared in Killing Eve. Lou Delage, who is a French actress who's appeared in a number of big French things called The Innocents and Julia's. Dancer and Tony Award-winning actor David Alvarez, who appeared in West Side Story, the recent Spielberg movie, and was in American Rust, the TV show, and the legendary Simon Callow, who you'll know from everything from Doctor Who to Hawkeye to Outlander to Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I think is probably where most people remember him from. I think he's got a really, really strong cast. I love the Palladino's writing. As I say, a ballet drama isn't something that on the surface would particularly interest me, but I can sort of see where the comedy is in this. Apparently, Amy is a huge fan of ballet and she's like snuck bits of ballet into some into Gilmore Girls and there was little bits of it in Maisel as well so she's been a huge fan of ballet for a very very long time and this is a show I think she's always wanted to make I just love the writing and I know it's going to be funny with those people involved so I don't know with it have you watched any of Maisel or Gilmore Girls or any of that stuff I did watch I think a few episodes of Marvelous Miss Maisel I did really enjoy it but then you know we all get distracted and stuff but because they were an hour and it's sort of I don't know I expected it to be 30 minutes or something but uh, I definitely want to want to get back to because you've said endlessly good things about it and so is basically everybody else yeah. so there's a couple of those shows that I've sort of watched a few episodes of and need to get back to uh, For All Mankind's another one as well mm-hmm. but sometimes you just look at a list of episodes as like one hour something one hour something and it's like yeah. slightly intimidating <laughs> but uh, I'm sure there'll be a very good one I go to do that I've not seen Gilmore Girls either but I think that's a show that you yes. really enjoyed as well I love um, that show I do understand where you're coming from in terms of okay does David want to watch a show about ballet not specifically but it's more about the people that are involved in it and, and you trust those people to uh deliver you something good which is uh it's a trust thing isn't it mm-hmm. so that sounds quite good yeah if the show turns out to be as good as what you and others are kind of hoping then then hopefully that works out quite well yeah i mean there was one that amazon did a while back the name completely escapes me but it was a, a based around an orchestra and the sort of conductor of an orchestra which they did mm-hmm. which i only watched it was, again it was another show that i looked at and was like i'm not sure i really want to watch this and uh, i was interviewing somebody that was involved with it so i was like well i better watch a few episodes and end up binging my way through the entire first season even though it's <laughs> a subject matter that isn't particularly something that interests me but I really really enjoyed that so yeah I, sometimes I think like you say you look at it and you go well yeah it's, the subject matter isn't exactly what I'm interested in but I really really trust these people they've produced two of my favorite shows and the cast is really good 
So I think there is a lot of comedy to be had in there and uh, hopefully that will be decent. They've ordered two seasons off it straight off the bat as well. So um, that will what be coming to Amazon. network is this for? This is Amazon. Oh, Amazon. So right, it'll be on sense. Prime Video. Yes, which is, yeah. uh, I think they're under a deal with Amazon now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazon have been doing that, pulling in some, some mm-hmm. talent recently. They also got Mike Flanagan. Yes, his, they did. Uh, Netflix upset him because mm-hmm. they got rid of his show and that they shouldn't have done that and that's a whole thing sorry yeah, yeah. because uh, no, exactly. he, he was kind of like the Netflix horror guy yes um, and now he's the Amazon horror guy <laughs> yeah it's kind of reminds me because you mentioned the ballet thing there was a show on Netflix I think it was called Spinning I might be wrong about that it had Kaya Golario who's been in a couple of things I've really enjoyed I remember when that came out and I was like just about on the verge of watching it in the next few days and like, I'd seen a lot of positive comments about it and the trailer looked pretty good and stuff and then Netflix got rid of it so this is this has kind of reminded me yeah. of that um, not saying the same thing going to happen obviously highly different but did we get many ballet no it wasn't ballet sorry it was it was ice skating yeah uh, uh, but, you know, spinning dancing, out so. I think it was called I've just looked it spinning up spinning out but it was like a dancing kind of thing there was that but hopefully this is more successful than uh, well it's already got two seasons so. yes so I mean you know <laughs> they, they, they have trust in the uh, in the writers quite rightly so I mean they've produced two Good. huge hit shows so you know Gilmore Girls was a network show in America it was massive and Maisel has been incredibly huge for uh, Prime so Gilmore Girls got that like revival thing yes like, had and they did like, a revival thing of well. it yeah yes they did a revival which was seasons so they did one sort of one spring summer autumn winter set up for that so there's four specials I think that's all still on Netflix as well I think the original and the, the revival is on I there. think it is yeah um, but yeah, yeah. I, I would highly recommend going and working through Gilmore Girls there is a lot of it so it is quite daunting I think there's six seasons <laughs> or seven seasons of it but it is very very funny and uh, I think still stands up really well uh, it's just the right is so well put together on that show it's it's very snappy and witty and and the characters are great so over on netflix as we were just talking about them they have ordered three new projects so we'll see how long these last but um one of them is a film and it's a follow-up so that's fine they've ordered two new series as well first one is called black doves it comes from joe barton joe barton is the man that was behind sky's the lazarus project which was a great series gil hajai as well as the other big thing that he wrote and he wrote Bastard Son and the Devil himself for Netflix as well stars Kieran Knightley in the lead as Helen a woman with a secret identity who embarks on a passionate affair her lover falls victim to a London's shadowy underworld Helen's employers send an old friend Sam to protect her two of them soon embark on a high octane adventure set against the backdrop of diplomatic tension and Christmas uh, it's a story of two old friends coming back together finding trust in one another in a world where trust can get you killed ultimately changing the course of each other's lives forever it's produced by Barton's company Noisy Bear and Sister who are the people that are behind Chernobyl and Barton and Kerry Knightley are exact producing it so I mean Joe Barton's great his writing's brilliant there was a lot of people upset that when the devil himself got cancelled Lazarus Project is coming back for a second season that's been great Gil Hajaya has got critical reviews all over the place this is called Black Doves it sounds like it could be a big sort of action adventure series I think this could be interesting it's got some good people on it yeah you said Kira Knightley and I was trying to remember the last time I saw her um, she made a big big splash with Pirates of the Caribbean and then I just didn't see her for yeah. a long time I think she's in this new like a star show that's the I think it was the Boston Strangler or something on Disney Plus 
right. Yes, I yes. Think, I think if I'm she was in something right. like that, yeah. But yeah, I've not seen her in, in anything for a while, so it's good to see her here again. Again, it's a case of like, you know, even if the public thinks it's good enough and makes a big enough splash, it has to make a big enough splash for Netflix. And that's a different criteria. So, and that applies to, well, not, not the film that you mentioned, because uh, as you said, that's safe because it's a film. Yeah. <laughs> Just have to see if these are safe enough to continue on Netflix. Because yeah, they cancelled that Bastard Son Devil yes. Himself show. But yeah, it's got some good people behind it. It sounds somewhat interesting and we'll see if Netflix likes it. Yeah, so. um, yeah. Kira's sort of, she's done the odd film, you know, like she did a couple of films in 2021. I don't think she did anything in 2022, although I think part of that's probably pandemic related. Um, Maybe. So yeah. she had a couple of films in 2021 and then Boston Strangler, she's done this year. Hasn't really done any TV since about 2011, other than popping up in a Red Nose Day special. She's not been doing as much, but then I guess when you're sitting on your Pirates of Caribbean mountain of cash, you probably <laughs> don't need to work all that often necessarily. Mm. If you kind of, you know, off doing other things I mean, and you can pick and choose. Well, I mean, Johnny Depp had his situation. Lando Bloom was in a couple of things. He was in that Carnival something. Carnival Row? Carnival Row, yes. I was just trying to think what the other pirate leads were in. Be curious to see where Johnny Depp pops up next. Obviously there was the whole yes. thing with that, wasn't there? Because he was supposed to be in the Fantastic Beasts and they replaced him within about a week. Yes. So uh, with with uh, was it Mads Mickelson? And I know he's with that, it feels like Disney wants to do more Pirates of the Caribbean, but he doesn't really want to. Um, yeah, I, I mean th- I think uh, they didn't they wrap that up anyway. They had like four. Yeah, five films. they've they've talked about doing more pirates and they may do, they may not. We'll see so, with that. So yeah. So the second series is called Department Q. Comes from Left Bank Pictures, who were the people behind the crown. It's an adaptation of a novel series by a Danish author called Jussie Alda Olsen. And I think it's actually been made in a ser- into a series of films for Danish release or Danish TV. But this will be a British language version. It's actually moving everything to Scotland rather than Denmark as well. So uh, series centres around Carl, a former top-rated detective in Edinburgh assigned to a new case whilst racked with guilt following an attack that left his partner paralysed and another policeman dead. It's from somebody who previously worked on Vigil, the BBC series and Dublin Murders. They're set to write the script. Frank Scott, who is the writer-director of Queen's Gambit, is going to direct the eight-episode series. Rob Bullock and Andy Harris are producers and they've worked on things like Night Manager, Strike Back, The Crown, Outlander. So the team behind it seem okay. The actual description of it sounds incredibly ITV crime dramery. You know, it's you know the things that they churn out along oh, yeah. with your sort of yeah. more sort of like it does sound a bit that sort of level. That's not to say it will be bad. It just doesn't sound anything particularly new, unique. It's just a Scottish set crime drama. It could be wonderful. It's just not something that leaps out of me of like, oh, well, that's a really interesting idea. You know, I mean, there is a sort of setup around it and it has got a bunch of books to work from. But I mean, it's called Department Q. Don't know exactly when this or Black Doves are going to land, but presumably it'd be next year now sometime. Yeah, people with some, some good CVs there, like The Crown, Night Manager and some other things. So that might be good. Just depends on how it turns out, I suppose. And again, if public like it, then Netflix like it, because those are two different things. Yeah, and I mean, like I say, they've got a bunch of novels that they're huge mm-hmm. best-selling novels, so they've got those to work from anyway. And I mean, the hardened carbon various things that they do on Netflix have, done, have worked particularly well. And hopefully, if they're basing it on each sort of novel, it's going to be self-contained things. So if they do decide to cancel it after a season or a couple of seasons, at least you will have a self-contained story, if you see what I mean. So what 
one yeah, season will yeah. be it's it's unlikely to have things that are going to follow over into the next one it's just going to be the same sort of bunch of characters i guess each time and the last thing is a sequel to bank of dave and it's called bank of dave the sequel <laughs> as as the name rather suggests it is a sequel it's, it's based on the original film which was called bank of dave which was based on the true life experience of dave fishwick who was played by rory kinnear who uh, was actually in the diplomat and he's been in black mirror and flag means death and a whole bunch of other things as well he's a working class man from burnley and a self-made millionaire who fought to set up a community bank so he could help local businesses of burnley not only survive but thrive the sequel continues the story as dave takes on a new and more dangerous adversary the payday lenders so that's the basic setup for it i've not watched the original film i don't know whether you caught it It was one of those many things that came out on netflix and i just didn't see <laughs> no i wasn't aware of it until until you mentioned it here but it's good that it's a film so but no i'm, I'm not aware of the original at all yes uh, neither am i i might have to go and look that up because i mean i like i like the actors exactly the same team coming back i think behind it as well so it will just be a sort of another one of those things if you like the first one i'm sure you'll like the second one and i like rory Kinnear a lot he's been great in various things so that is coming as well that's all the news we've got for this week just some time for some highlights for next week on tv so highlights for next week uh short list actually which i'm quite glad about because there's been a lot of stuff around recently uh, yeah. Queen Charlotte, which is the spin-off from the hit series Bridgerton, which follows the origin story of Queen Charlotte. That's landing on the 4th of May on Netflix. It is, of course, May the 4th, which means that it is Star Wars Day. So there are a couple of things dropping. I think The Young Jedi Adventures drops on May the 4th on Disney+, Plus, and Star Wars Visions drops on Disney+, Plus as well. What they're doing for the second season is, rather than it all being anime, it's different anime styles from different countries around the world, including the UK, where Ardman are doing one, which it looks fascinating. There are little clips of that up on, and, and you know, the people behind Wallace and Gromit doing Star Wars is a really bizarre idea, but I, I quite like the look of that. So 4th of May for that. And uh, there may be some of the Star Wars things dropping as well, but those are the two things that they've announced was that and Young Jedi Adventures. Over on the 5th of May on Sky Max, we have Bel Air Season 2 dropping. That's at 9pm. Uh, note, that's moved from Peacock, which... Sky seem to have abandoned Peacock UK completely at this point. So uh, coming to Sky Max on the 5th of May for Bel Air Season 2. And Silo, which is an interesting looking new drama coming to Apple TV Plus. That's on the 5th of May. It's about a group of people living in an underground silo. It's based on a New York Times bestselling trilogy of dystopian novels. I really like the look of this. There is a, a trailer up for it and it looks like it's going to be another decent quality Apple sci-fi series. That's called Silo. That's coming to Apple TV on the 5th of May. So check out that. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that as well. That looks very, very good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it does look really, really interesting. So um, want to check out 5th of May Apple TV for Silo. That's all the stuff we've got in terms of highlights. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? If you want to hear more from me, uh, you can go over to entertainmenttalk.org or your podcast platforms for the same name for TV, games, films, main night podcast. Just as, as of today, so yesterday for all of you, dropped a new chat podcast episode, which was very packed. Had a lot of things to talk about on there. Some podcast plans, America losing its mind over more trans people. Uh, also talked about kind of like the interview experiences I've had, the Angus McLean one and then the John Piano 
final one recently that me and you did. Uh, dropped mm-hmm. a film review for uh, Ghosted, new Apple TV Plus film with Anna Diarmas, Chris Evans. That was quite fun. Still doing gaming talk. Uh, had a big development this week with an update on the Activision acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, they got sort of blocked by one thing or, or something. So there was that. I'm still got Ted Lasso going on. That's been really, really good this season. Probably the best season so far. So I've been enjoying that. Some other TV stuff. Speaking of um, some DC stuff, which we haven't had any for, for this episode, I did something fun recently, which was I decided to do just for like a bit of fun, just for like some you know some good fun and stuff. Did some fan casting for the Justice League, so I took all the same characters that are in Zack's Justice League film because I know you can <laughs> have different members and stuff, and just picked from actors I would choose, uh, not not using James Gunn's younger cast rule book or whatever he's doing, using my own rules and that kind of stuff. Did my own fan casting for a Justice League thing, so that was fun to do. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitch as well, eTalk UK and YouTube is Entertainment Talk Plays. But that is me. Excellent. So go and check Matt out over at entertainmenttalk.org. Next, you can find over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She's also been popping up on TV this week as well. She's yeah. uh, You can go and find her on Jinx uh, TV channel, spelt with a G-I-N-X. They're a esports channel, but they do tech reviews and stuff. And she was up in an episode of, I think it's called Technically Speaking, the episode she did. She was doing a review for that and uh, she was yeah she was up on on actual tv this week as well which is awesome so uh bex you can go find out for regular stuff on twitch.tv forward slash trista bytes b-y-t-e-s go and check her out over there and daryl you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those tv series you love which are shot in canada for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geekdown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geekdown and on instagram at geekdown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye goodbye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.